Welcome to Northwestern Masters, the Arts and Sports Administration Revenue Buffer Placement Podcast. I'm Bryce Clinton, and I'm joined as always by Adam Grossman. This week, Adam sat down with Chris Cabot, who is an attorney, NFL certified agent, and currently the president and chief operating officer of Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. Adam, can you tell us more about Chris's background? Absolutely. Uh, Chris is an NFL agent and has negotiated over $500 million in client contracts, including Patrick Mahomes' recent deal with the Kansas City Chief. Lee Steinberg says Chris Cabot is the next super agent. This billing causes no surprise considering Chris's resume and success. In addition, Chris has over 92 gold and platinum record, uh, records to his name and has worked with, uh, on several feature films. In 2016, Chris was honored as the first professional to ever in one calendar year sign a first-round draft pick, land a major record deal for a recording artist, and negotiate a life rights option with a major film studio. One of the areas of Chris's work that's really interesting is how he's brought those skills together by helping multiple athletes become successful in the entertainment industry. You know, one of the, the most notable examples of that is, is Jimmy Rollins and, and the Jimmy Rollins Entertainment Group, where Chris created a music publishing company for Jimmy and, and helped him become the first athlete to ever turn a profit in the music industry. Along with his work as an agent and in the entertainment industry, Chris is an educator as well, just like you and me. Currently, he is an adjunct lecturer at Temple University's Fox School of Business, where he teaches sports law. He is the co-author of Keeping Out the Little Guy, an older, an older contract advisor's concern, a younger contractor's advisor's uh, lament in the Villanova Law Journal, and the legal and business aspects of sports management. Both publications address the law and rules governing the representation of NFL athletes. You know, we may all three be educators, but one big difference between you two and me is that you're both accomplished authors, which is you know, an, an amazing accomplishment. And so it was great to be able to speak with Chris about all his ventures. And, and we hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation right, with Chris Cabot. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Northwestern Masters of Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement podcast. Uh, today's guest is Chris Cabot. Uh, we're very excited to have him. He's one of the leading agents in the, in the National Football League and beyond the National Football League, which we'll get into in more detail. But Chris, first, great to have you on the show. Um, why don't we start out with having our, uh, our students and our audience learn a little bit more about you and your background? Sure. It's it's a little bit of a long story, so I'll give you the oh no, version. <laughs> no, no, my students are used to me giving long stories, so feel free take as much time as you need. I'm with you, man. <laughs> well, I grew up in a small town outside of Philadelphia, a little place called Coatesville, down Chester County, and I was blessed to have two great parents. My father was an artist, drawing and painting, photography, but he couldn't monetize it, so he worked in the steel mills. When you grow up in steel, you always worry you'll lose your home. So when we were, when I was 14, my dad was in strike for 90 days and we thought we were going to lose our home. And I remember one night I was staring out the window and things were kind of dim and, and rough around the house. And I just had this resounding instruction I heard said, help people make a difference. So in my 20s, I said, as the voice of God, I've always been very faith-based. And I thought, well, how can I help others and make a difference? And I thought I could do it representing folks with God-given talent, working with folks that the Lord has given a gift to and helping them, you know, helping bring that gift together. Um, so I worked a lot of jobs. I put myself through college, put myself through undergrad, law school, and then I was blessed to meet a mentor uh, named Lloyd Remick, who had been an agent in the 80s and 90s. He'd gotten out of it, 
and he was more focused on entertainment. And he gave me an opportunity. He took a 23-year-old guy with big hopes and dreams, but a little wherewithal off the street. He gave me an opportunity. And things built, and things grew, and I started working with some really great talent as an attorney. And then I had a, an elite athlete from Major League Baseball come to me to do some legal work for him. And I was just surprised that his agent wasn't involved. I always thought your agent is your, you know, your right-hand person. And he wasn't involved. And I thought, you know what? Balance may help others make a difference. I can do it more proactive as an agent. So um, I went ahead and started an agency from scratch. I didn't know anyone in the NFL, but I started scouting reports that got some people's attention and started building relationships with scouts and GMs. And I started having players get drafted and make teams. And in 2010, I paid off my home back east. In 2013, I went to the West Coast. And if God is always working, Lee and I were introduced. Lee is someone who I'd always admired. Our chairman, Lee Steinberg, just for what he's done for players on the field and off. And we just built a great relationship. About a year into it, I started consulting Steinberg Sports and then wrapped my existing agency underneath of it and became our, our lead agent and became our COO and became our president. So we have a pretty simple initiative. We look to provide great service to folks with God-given talent. And we build an agency that provides more resources and services than any other firm. At the same time, has that intimate one-on-one type feeling. Yeah, a couple questions came up from that, but maybe we'll start with where you uh, ended, which is, you know, the services you're providing. So can you give our audience kind of, you know, what's the day-to-day uh role of an agent you know what's the day-to-day what are you working on how are you working with your players how are you communicating with them well it's a lot it's a lot i think in the agency world it originated with just negotiating contracts more like a pure legal role today what's really about providing opportunities and services so for me obviously it's everything on the field the contract medical training performance physical therapy stuff like that Obviously, I'm not a physical therapist, but making sure guys are, are getting that. Then it's negotiating endorsements, finding endorsements, PR and media, charity, philanthropy, community measures, making sure families have what they need on game day, making sure players have their passes and whatnot, things like that. Concierge services, like setting up housing in the off-season and vacations and things like that. And you know, we were blessed. We have a really great staff at Steinberg Sports. So I'm not alone in providing those services. Our VPs, our department heads do an incredible job. So that's really what the day-to-day world of modern-day agency. And one of the other things that you mentioned is developing relationships with mentors. Um, how have you gone about developing, you know, a lot of our students are trying to enter in the space and trying to get break into the sports industry. So how did you go about developing those strong relationships, particularly with people who you know, they don't need to be mentors, right? They, they have, they're busy, they have their own work that they're focused on. So how are you able to develop those relationships? Sure. Well, I think the first thing is be genuine, be authentic, and look to add value and look to help. Do whatever you can to help. For me, I was, I didn't come for money, so I really wasn't worried about money. And I just, whatever I could do to help. And whether it was making coffee, making copies, whether it was drafting memoranda, whether it was running a parent, whatever I could do to learn and to absorb. I remember my first meeting with my mentor, 
when I came in for an internship, I, true story, but I borrowed clothes from friends. I really didn't have anything suitable for the interview, so I borrowed some clothes. And he sat me down and said, you're not going to get paid. I said, that's fine. I'm not here to, for money. I'm here to, to learn. I lay stone on the weekends. I bartend at night. I know how to make money. I need to learn a craft. I need to learn a skill. And now that you, you know, um, we've talked a little bit about this already, and you've identified some of your most significant accomplishments. Obviously, Steinberg Sports, and particularly uh, recently, has had a very um, successful term, client roster. So what would you say is it the, what you've been doing recently? Is it your career path up to that point to put you in the position to achieve the success? What would you say is your greatest or your, the a professional accomplishment you're most proud of? The professional accomplishment I'm probably the most proud of is a quasi-personal accomplishment, and that's Eric Cush, who is one of my long-standing clients. He was a, defense, a Division II offensive lineman who I believed in a ton, and he believed in me. We were starting out early together. He's now his eighth year in the league, but I'm the godfather to his youngest, and that's probably the thing that really is my proudest accomplishment. The other, I, mean, I think the other thing there is the thing I'm proudest of is I think at the end of the day, our staff, our clients, and their families know that I genuinely care. You know, I'm yeah, doing this for the right reasons. Yeah, just to build off that, another thing that we try to focus on is how do um, businesses build the right teams? Obviously, you're talking about athletes participating in a team sport, but you've now mentioned uh, several times about recruiting the right people, getting the right people on board. So. How have you been able to recruit those people? How have you identified talent? And how have you been able to build a culture around the items you've just talked about? Well, it's, it's been a, a process and, and a very meaningful one. When Lee and I met and I was brought in to consult, I let everyone go except Lee. And I let 11 people go because, frankly, I didn't think they knew what it took to win. What I mean by that is we work in an industry of service. We work in an industry of you have to do whatever you have to do to take care of people and help them, put them ahead of yourself. And that that takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of discipline. That takes a lot of self-motivation. And slowly built things up brick by brick by brick by brick by brick. I have the utmost respect for the folks that are on our team. If we were not working together we'd still be friends which means a lot to me and um, that's on the, the business side of things on the, the athletes and the families I always say picking agents like getting married without getting engaged you don't know someone off of one email one phone call one text message one this one that one anything it takes time for me to build a relationship but it goes the same way for us because we put, we put a lot of resources into things, time, effort, money, games, travel. I have earned my bald spot. I've earned my grade by extensive travel and not sleeping much. And I'm, I just took my 37th flight during this pandemic. I'm in Charlotte Airport right now. I've got a medical issue with a client that I need to attend to. Uh, I need to be there for him. So I'm here. But, you know, it's just, it's just about people. You know, at the end of the day, it's about people. And I always say, in this process of attracting and gaining clients, you have you have a plan. People like that plan. You try to build trust. 
trust takes a long time to build, a half a second to lose, and then you have synergy. Do you like someone and your phone rings and they call? Are you excited to answer it and vice versa? So that just goes a little bit to the culture. And you, you brought up the pandemic, and obviously we're all uh, situated in pandemics. Have, has your day-to-day or have athletes and their families, has, have they had different concerns, different questions, different things that they're looking for you um, during the pandemic? That, or has the pandemic changed um, how you're you know, connecting with your, uh, with your clients? I think on the most human level, the first thing has just been making sure people are okay. And we've been blessed. Our folks have been. Second to that, the NFL really hasn't stopped. It's gone virtual in every way imaginable. And we followed suit with that. And a lot of things that we would normally do in person, we're doing virtually. And there's some good things that have come out of it that I think will really be beneficial in the future. There's in our second career program where wild guys are playing, we look to introduce them to folks that may have relevance in the second career of their choice to help build those relationships when their profiles are highest. We're doing those over Zoom. We're taking advantage of the opportunity to introduce brands to our clients over Zoom. And it's easy and people like it. And it's even fun. This to me talking to you over Zoom is fun. <laughs> I like it. It's it's easy to do. You click a button, boom, we're there. So there's some convenience here through the joys of technology that I think will carry through, you know, even post pandemic. But we've definitely gotten nimble. We've definitely gotten flexible and adaptable. And our clients have done a great job, as have the league, as have the teams, as have their staff. So when the when the going got tough, the tough got going. Yeah, and can you talk a little bit more about the interaction uh, that the brands are having with the athletes? One of the things that we are, are thinking about is the different ways that fans are connecting uh, with teams, athletes, influencers. So one, how do you manage that process in general with your athletes in terms of connecting brands to your athletes? And two, has that process changed in, in the current environment? I think the first thing is you look for authentic connections. So for example, Lowe's is now become an NFL sponsor and they're, they're interested in clients who are looking to you know, build a home or a gift like a lawnmower and stuff like that. I mean, I know it sounds silly, but you know, things that are just really based on home and garden and, and whatnot. The we have a client whose father has a business like that. It's a direct connection, direct tie. So, you know, it's the sort of thing where we're linking him with, with the folks at Lowe's because it's just it's just a natural fit. So normally you would see a commercial, some social media, things like that shot. What you're seeing now is more than ever, a lot of first person video, a lot of social content, things like that, things that are being pandemic related. Um, State Farm is a brand partner for one of our athletes and they have done a ton during the pandemic here and a lot of his fulfillment of his endorsement has been kind of furthering their message. So that's where you're starting to see more time. And whether it's on the brand or on the field, you know, one of the ways we had talked about in the past is, you know, how do you leverage numbers and data and quantitative information? I think you make an excellent point about the qualitative piece and the relationships and people and really understanding people. But, you know, how are you thinking about using data, whether that's on the field or off the field, to help the, help your clients and help them maximize their value? 
I have a saying that math sometimes dictates time. And I think a lot of times math dictates action. It's no secret that we're negotiating a couple contracts here for some veteran clients and obviously comparisons and data and analytics play into the time we trade. Essentially, when that person's on the field, are productive things happening or are they not? Or when that person's not on the field, are productive things happening or not? Um, for our guys, when they're not in the field, things are less productive. So, you know, obviously looking to, to bring that to the table, but it, it plays a huge role. It plays a huge part. And I think these days you want to gather more and more data as humanly possible. And even on the endorsement side of things, when you look at player athletes' engagement on socials, look at who's consuming it and whatnot, you know, these are things that I think are, you know, really important. And how have athletes, you know, one of the things that, I, you know, we're interested in both, um, well, particularly from the student perspective, is how are athletes engaging with numbers and data? You know, with with the advent of Moneyball and, you know, front offices at times, depending on the front office, using data more, you know, how are, at, are athletes coming to you asking questions about data, analytics, insights, or when you present them with information from an analytics data perspective, how are they receiving it? And has that changed since, you know, in the past few years? I think that anytime you can show a client a reasoning for something and it's backed up by some real data, it just makes it more tangible and easier to understand. And in many cases, believable, especially when someone takes a position based on on productivity, based on analytics. Well, if you see the data, you can believe it. And one of the, um, you know, one of the other things that, you know, you and I have talked about, uh, and one of the reasons that we connected is, you know, you've been, and Steinberg Sports have been really good at putting on conferences and getting together thought leaders. Um, what was the thought process behind, you know, not every obviously agency or not every agent has these conferences and these ability to connect with students. So what was the thought process behind having those conferences and what was the thought process of, you know, what's been the uh, takeaways that you've gotten from having those kind of conferences? Sure. So in a far off land about 10 years ago in Philadelphia, I was teaching a sports law course in the undergrad at the Fox School Business at Temple. And I would have a number of students who would be in my class that wanted to be a sports agent. But there was really no sports agent-related major or program or anything like that. And there certainly wasn't anything that taught skill training. So that always was in the back of my head. And then when I expanded to the West Coast and I met Lee, I thought to myself, wow, there's this legendary figure here, beloved by many, followed by many. We should really start to do these training seminars because A, it there's a gap in the market for it, but B, it'll help us meet some really talented people. And and they've been great. And about seventy percent of the folks that are part of our staff came out of the agent academy system. On top of that, we started to have come people come to the agent academy that said they didn't want to be agents. They just wanted to get into sports and they didn't know how. So we're like, wow, that's amazing. We need to start something that's conference related it's everything but agent so we start a sports career conference and i think just at the end of the day here too we really love people we love meeting people one of my favorite things about being a sports agent is the recruiting process and meeting new people i love meeting new people i've seen you know i've seen a piece of everyone in me that i've ever met i've never met someone who didn't feel like a friend i've never been anywhere didn't feel like home 
So we really enjoy going into new cities and meeting new people and getting to hear the people's stories and building our network and growing it to something that we all enjoy. And now we do it virtual because of the pandemic. And again, I mean, people, people have flocked to it. You know, they, they enjoy that experience and the Zooms of the world feels like home to folks. It feels close-knit. So that's coming out of this pandemic. I'm sure we'll be live again in some cities. Another point because you can't replace one-on-one face-to-face, but I know we'll incorporate the technology more. Yeah, and I, we know you're trying to jump on a flight, and you know, obviously. Um, so we just have a couple more questions, and then you know, ha- happy to let you go on a flight, and hope for the best of luck with the player. Um, one one of the question, one of the last two questions is, and we referenced this at the beginning of the podcast, is that you know you're not just focused on football; you're looking at media, entertainment, either helping uh, players outside of football, like Jimmy Rollins, kind of expand into the media and entertainment uh, sector. So. What's that been like? You know, you mentioned that even earlier in your career, that was obviously yeah. a focus. So what's, you know, what's that like kind of working in the media and entertainment space and how does that compare to working in, in the sports space more directly? Sure. So in the legal space, just in general, we can talk about my entertainment media background or even sports law background. It's, it's purely legal. People have needs. You provide legal services. You fulfill those needs. It's proactive representation. The agency side is proactive representation. proactive and legal. It's reactive representation. On the agency side, it's proactive representation. So you have a plan for someone to help them build and develop and grow and it turns into something. That's where they're really different. And on the agency side, you provide many more services, whereas on the legal side, it's just strictly law. As far as the, the couple of industries, in the sports industry, a sports agent is similar more so to a manager, a personal manager in entertainment. We oversee careers. We build and grow careers in sports. That's really more of the manager's job in entertainment. And then the last question, this is what you were referring to a little bit through the conferences, but, you know, obviously, like we talked about, our, our students are looking to break into the industry. They're looking to get their first jobs. They're looking to develop their careers. So, you know, what advice would you get for people who give to people who are trying to get enter into the sports industry? And, you know, another uh, uh, another question, Related to that is, you know, what are you looking for when you're looking to hire people? You mentioned it a little bit earlier, but for those who are trying to enter, you know, I think they would appreciate your perspective in terms of what you look for when you're looking to hire people to join uh, Steinberg Sports. Sure. Well, the first thing of it is I'd say for anyone, start the, start the goal. What's your dream job? What do you want to do? And then find people who are already doing it and ask how you can give them help and provide value. And you've got to get in the door by volunteering or working part-time or just doing whatever you have to do, do it. Here's the story I didn't tell with my mentor. I asked him if I could send a resume for an internship. He said, I had 500. I said, can I send 501? And then he called me. And when I, and I got, I was in law school and my phone was off. And then when I got out, I saw the message. I called him back and said, Cabot, you're too late. I gave your job away. And I was stunned because I didn't have a plan B. And I said, well, is it possible to, to work part-time, talk to volunteer? Do you have any colleagues who may need help? I'm really serious about this. And I said, well, then, you're not serious coming for an interview. And then I did. So, you know, shoot every shot. Take whatever opportunity you get and make the most of it. And don't view it as 
okay, these are this is my nine to five, this is my view it as your passion, pour everything you can into it, learn, read, do everything you possibly can, and and you'll find that it'll turn into your career. What do I look for to focus on with sports? I mean, the first thing is just really good people. We have a vice president, Julia Farron, who we were really blessed to hire from the Rams. After being there for 12 years, she's our VP of media and PR. And Julia is the best executive I've ever worked with. She's super smart, extremely hardworking, very personable, means well, always answers her phone, makes herself available. You know, the best ability is availability. They're just always willing to help out. And, you know, that's those sound like commonsensical things, but you have to pick up your phone. You have to answer your phone. You have to make yourself available. You have to put others ahead of yourself. And if you do that, you're going to do well. So that's what it really comes down to. Are you a good person? Are you willing to work? And are you willing to put others ahead of yourself? If you're willing to do that, you can learn things, but you have to have those core skills. I think that's a great way, great advice, great way to end things. Chris, again, safe travels today. Thank you for your time. You. And, um, you know, we really appreciate having you on the podcast. It's great to be here. It's great to see you again. Best wishes to you and all that you're doing. And to everybody out there listening, God bless you all. Take care. Take care.